You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Daniel, we are back today with the Eater Upsell. How are you doing? I feel good. I feel good. I I feel amped. (laughs) Because... I've had a lot of coffee, but also because we had Rocco, we have Rocco Despirito on the show today. We sure did. Uh, as someone that's been chronicling this world for a fair amount of time, long time, mm-hmm. fair to long, uh, why don't, who is who is Rocco Despirito? Okay, well, what's interesting is I started doing this a decade ago. Yeah. This was already after Rocco was off the scene. Right. But Rocco was basically this phenom in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, he was the shit. He was the man. He had this restaurant called Union Pacific that everyone freaked out about. Ruth Reichel gave it three stars. He was on the cover of mm-hmm. Gourmet. He was the best new chef. He was, like, as as big as New York chefs get. Right. He had trained in Paris, CIA, like, all, all the things. Maybe bigger because, actually, something that I've heard him talk about is without – this, without the level of media that we have now, you could be the biggest chef in New York and be in your restaurant for a long time. Like right. now, if you're the biggest chef in New York, you're probably going to open five more restaurants and be like whisked away to all these different festivals. Yeah, and, different different world. So he was an icon. He famously did this TV show for NBC uh, with Jeffrey Chaudhary, who was a restaurateur, called The Restaurant. Uh, is by the guy who brought us The Apprentice. So, God bless that guy. (laughs) Uh, And it was insane. It was a crazy, crazy show. I think because, like, we had never seen restaurant reality shows before and people weren't super familiar with reality TV in the first place. But it was super dramatic. It chronicled the dissolution of the relationship between Rocco and Jeffrey. And it was kind of a wild thing. And after that, uh, Jeffrey Chattero ended up suing Rocco and banning him from the restaurant uh, and Rocco eventually fell off the scene. Like he stopped cooking in restaurants and he didn't really come back in a major way until this year. Wow. So I've been chronicling, I've been studying Rocco in preparation for this. Mm-hmm. And I think a thing to listen for here is like it's very easy to put a tidy bow on his story. Failed restaurant because of TV show, like flame, a whole flame out thing, and then he leaves the scene. Mm-hmm. It was a confluence of events that kept him out of the New York restaurant spotlight. Yeah. And it's cool. And now he's, you know, what we would say making like a comeback. Yeah. And it's interesting. There was a an inter- there was a piece in Thrillist a couple of years ago <laughs> where the the writer Kevin Alexander was asking, why won't Rocco come back? Because so many people loved his food so much. And, and I guess he had a really great experience at Rocco's restaurant, Union Pacific. It's like, why won't this amazing chef come back? And mm-hmm. like, he wouldn't come back. And now he is back. Right. It's it's like, why would you come back, though, if you're making more money and not on the line? Yeah, I mean, restaurants are a tough business. <laughs> I think a lot of people want to get famous so they can also leave. could have been a one-sentence article. 
<laughs> but it's a good piece. It was a good piece. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Great. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed this. Um, stay tuned all the way till the end because I geek out with health obsessed. Yeah, I would Rocco. also add that this is a great interview for me because it it combines our two interests. Right. Mine is like restaurant world nitty gritty and also like restaurant world nostalgia. And Daniel's is like weird freaky hell shit. And, and restaurant nitty gritty. Sure, sure, sure. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you get both in this interview. Here's here's Rocco to Spirit. Here's Rocco. Rocco. Hey, what's up? I'm welcome, Rocco. Welcome to the show. <laughs> this is Eater Upsell, everybody. Yeah. He, you know, I don't know if you, you probably know this, but he did radio. Yeah. You yeah, were yeah, a radio yeah. host, I did right? Do radio, yeah, I did. That was one of my favorite years ever. Uh, radio on local radio, AM, which in New York is a lot of people, right? Local New York uh, called Food Talk. Did you have call-in guests? We had, it was all live call-in. Yeah, oh, my it God. It was great. It was so much fun. Whenever I listen to those shows, I just get so anxious because I'm, so, I'm like, what are they going to say? I don't even yeah. know. And then You're the anxious host, as a host? Of no, like, just listening. Oh, just okay. listening. Just I'm like, oh, God, what, what if they say something crazy? I wonder if they get the wrong answer. But then you know, those hosts get really good at cutting people off when they do do something kind of wackadoo. And like if not, wackadoo. the producer does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just like, like oh, and we lost that person. Yeah, yeah. They'll tell you, and you're like, yeah, yeah, just move on to the next person. That person's crazy. <laughs> Did um, you have any, Jeremy? Any crazy Collins? We had some interesting Collins. Um, mostly really <laughs> earnest people who wanted to learn how to cook better. Yeah. And uh, I was so happy to do the, the live call-ins that, that the whole show became live call-in. Mm. It was just basically one phone call after another. And I gave them very like sp- specific directions on things. Sometimes I would cook with them. Oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes I would bring in a recipe and tell them that on Friday I'm going to bring, you know, these ingredients. I'm going to cook these dishes. You bring the, you, you collect the same ones and we'll cook together live on air. Wow. We did that with a lot of people. So it became a real exercise in like learning how to cook and learning where to get ingredients. And did you ever get prank called? Lots of prank calls. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of prank calls. Um, some people called way too frequently, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and then would show up at like my door and say, "Hi, I heard you're on the show today. Can we go have lunch?" You know that what? kind of thing. Really? You don't get that? No. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> we may not be big enough. <laughs> let, me, let me put the address Good secu- out. Good security. Nasty <laughs> No, but it was really fun because it was unscripted, unedited, unfiltered. Right. Um, I could share my knowledge very freely and easily, and. That's all people cared about. In 2005, people were still sort of very curious about just like the nuts and bolts of cooking, right? Not the sort of gossip of the restaurant right, right, world. Right. They just want to yeah. know, how do I make yeah. this better? So speaking of the career, I think yeah. some of our listeners won't really know your full trajectory. Sure. So I would love to cover it. Like um, Briefly, you went to CIA and BU. Yeah, born in 1966. <laughs> oh, okay. And then opened up the Standard Grill a month ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> and somewhere in between. Let's move on. Uh, I went to the CIA uh, in 19... I graduated in 1986, the Culinary Institute of America, for those of you who don't know. You know they, they opened NFBI, the Food and Beverage Institute? Mm. Pretty funny. They love that their is, puns. That is so good. Yeah. So back then, the CIA was a <laughs> waitlist school... And it was like a minimum year wait list because there were, all, you know, there was CIA and Johnson and Wells, and mm-hmm. there weren't eight thousand other schools. Yeah, and this is in late eighties. Um, so I had to wait eleven months, and then they shortened it last minute to like four months. And uh, and I graduated when I was um, eighteen, going on nineteen, mm-hmm. and I went right to Paris mm-hmm. to work for Dominique Cessillon. 
really sweet sweet guy who drove me around on his Vespa all over all over Paris and uh, took me in, let me sleep at his house for the first six months. And amazing uh, amazing time there. I spent two oh, a little over two years cooking there. Uh, obviously, game changing, life changing, mm-hmm. life altering. Really cool. I, I, I did one thing I used to do that was probably pretty annoying to Joel Robuchon is um, I lived across the street from his restaurant Jamais, which was a three star like you know uh, he was a god, right? Um, he was a god, died a god recently, um, and I was a devotee. And he, uh, I used to go to the door and like beg him for a job almost every day. <laughs> and sometimes he would be a little nicer than other times. And I'd, did you ever get to work for him? No, I never got to work for him. I got, I got to attend one of his seminars. He invited me to one of his seminars out of like complete pity. Uh, but I, you know, I was like 18 and a half or something like that. And he probably thought I was out of my mind. And then you came back to New York. Is that when you worked at? Then I came back to New York, Greg? worked at uh, Adrienne in the uh, what was then the Maxime Hotel, which is now the Peninsula on Fifty mm. Fifth and Fifth. Yeah, I worked for a two-star Michelin chef there, and then I went to Boston University and uh, f- finished my bachelor degree in business, and then uh, worked in Boston for a while, the Four Seasons, and then came back to New York and. Started working for a bunch of chefs here. Ended up at Les Benas. It goes on and on. How was you only have forty five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> how was how was Les Benas? <laughs> yeah. uh, Les Benas uh, in the top five, you know, career moments. Um, complete epiphany. Great Kunz was. Uh, uh, wow, it's very hard to describe him because he was incredibly creative, but also very linear. Mm-hmm. So he's both. At the same time, and I don't know a lot of people who could who can do that successfully. Um, he had a very expanded version uh, um, vision for food and ideas about food, but was you know strict as a Swiss clock. You know, like right. I heard it was a very yeah, like, rigid environment, very, very rigid, very difficult yeah, kitchen strident, to work in. Right, it would be a word that we could use to describe him. Um, but fostered this other creative element that was going on in the kitchen. Um, he once put, let me put a menu uh, item, uh, uh, a dish on the menu that got reviewed. And so it was like a lot of cool stuff happened there. And and for those who don't know, that restaurant is one of the one of the most important iconic restaurants in New York. I think, especially I like in the to 90s. think so. I like yeah. to think so. Yeah, yeah. He was a four star chef, and he brought the Bonet oven to New York. And you know, mm-hmm. there's a picture of him standing on the oven door. Uh, but um, everything was perfect there. It was perfection, 100%, 100% perfection, 100% of the time. Nothing else uh, was allowed. So. Hmm. And so you work at a few other places. Eventually you open Union Pacific, and that is where yeah. I think yeah, you're yeah, kind yeah. of, you put yourself on the map. Yeah, I opened Union Pacific in 19, I started working on it in 1996, and we opened in 1998. And, uh, and there I was able to sort of bring to bear all my experiences and create what I thought was a unique menu to unique to me. Uh, and, uh, it was great. It, it felt like, it felt like I had a show on Broadway, you know, people would come <laughs> every day and just be like, just hit us with whatever you got, just, you know, send us food. And it was like that for eight years. Yeah. And you were, yeah. you got three stars from the times, Ruth yeah. put you on the cover of gourmet, you were yeah, food in yeah, my yeah, best yeah. new chef. Like yeah, what yeah. was that? How old were you when all that happened? Uh, 38-ish, 36, I think. 
we can do the math. I'm mm-hmm. not that good at math. So. Uh, in my mid to late thirties, um, it was it was wild. Um, I went in it with no expectations whatsoever, and uh, it was a great moment for cooking and New York City and and fine dining. There were the right there were a sufficient amount of um, good cooks. Who wanted to work, you know, mm-hmm. very hard to make mm-hmm. to build something great. Um, the the HR environment was different, mm-hmm. so like the focus on breaks and the eighty twenty rule and all the stuff that we have to basically have memorized now mm-hmm. uh, uh, wasn't a thing. And cooks were happy to work a little extra because they believed in if they believed in what you were doing. And uh, they, we all saw it as a learning experience, as a communal, you know, education that we were giving each other, mm-hmm. and um, and it produced great results for a lot of a lot of chefs. You know, Tom Colicchio and John George, and so, so many so many chefs. I think were able to blossom in the early '90s, in late '90s. Do you think that's less of the case now because of the labor practices, or because of how expensive it is to operate in general? It's very hard to duplicate that moment because of uh, labor practices, because of um, the tremendous amount of rules and regulations that have to be followed to the letter without exception. We, you know, if, you, if you're running a restaurant today, it's likely that you're going to call HR a dozen times a day to get an answer to a question that employees ask you because wow. it's so complicated. You can't, you don't, Almost no one knows the answer right off the bat. You know, like, can I take a break now? Did I fulfill my eighty twenty? You know, rule. What is the eighty twenty rule? Oh, so it's this rule that you, if you're a service person, uh, in the tip pool, you have to do eighty eighty percent of your time working has to be customer facing. Right. And then, so, so managers aren't taking tips. Like, is that right, the well, idea? Managers, that's, right. That's 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 been gone for a long right. time. Uh, but yeah, so the idea is that you don't get. Um, if you don't get an out sufficient hourly wage, you shouldn't be asked to do, you know, sort of tedious, I repetitive see. tasks like folding napkins and that kind of thing. So, hmm. uh, and even the, the employees are upset about. It. Like some of them don't want to take breaks; they want to fold the nap. They want to fold, right. you know. And you have to force them to do these things that uh, sort of just get in the way of uh, great service. You know, hmm. building a great team atmosphere. Um, and whereas a lot of other people kind of were in this water as it got hot and felt these regulations get tighter and tighter. You jumped in and then you got like, here's a big book of them and you had to learn them right on the spot. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been running um, businesses uh, that are not as well known as Union Pacific this whole time, so I'm familiar with them. But, uh, you know, every year it gets more and more intense. So this year is particularly intense, especially with the the new uh, hourly wages. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Despite that, at the at the Standard Grill, we managed to put together a really great team. I hope you felt yeah, felt yeah, the, yeah. The, how cool and nice mm-hmm. and kind they were when yeah, you were there. Yeah, we had great service. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, the best. So that, sweet? That, whoever our waiter yeah. is, like a plus to that guy. Thank you. I think it was Rodrigo. Yeah, that sounds yeah. sounds right. Everything Tall was gor- with, everything was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. was gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, everything was gorgeous. Everything that's was Rodrigo. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. That's Rodrigo. Um, no, it was we, the best. But we when we hired for that room we hired uh, on two metrics kindness and generosity we said if you could be kind and generous most of the time mm-hmm. you're probably going to do great here we're going to we'll teach you everything else and some of those waiters never worked in a restaurant before rodrigo's wow. an ex- a 
exception. He worked in some really good restaurants, so he has some um, major experience to draw from. But in the restaurant world, if you're kind and generous, you're always going to make a good decision because mm-hmm. what we do is, you know, an act of kindness, right? It's, and generosity, yeah. hospitality is about making people happy. And um, how do you know what to do uh, in the moment to make someone happy? Well, think of what the most kind or generous choice would be, and it's probably going to be a, a good choice. Mm-hmm. That so. reminds me of um, when Gabe Stuhlman, a restaurateur here, was hiring when he first opened his restaurants, I don't know, like 10 years ago, he would always hire Midwesterners <laughs> because <laughs> they were nicer than all the people who had like 10 years of New York waitressing or waitering experience. I'm dying to agree, <laughs> but I don't want to alienate anyone from other parts well, of the you're country, from, you're but from Queens, the Midwesterners so you can, you can... make the best New Yorkers. <laughs> they the do. They're so make nice. The best New Yorkers. That combination of New York City, like grit and uh, uh, veneered over a Midwestern upbringing is oh, it's amazing. The yeah. yeah, are you guys from the Midwest? I'm from uh, Boston, so okay. I don't okay. have that at all. But yeah. he's from Canada, so he oh, basic, yeah. basically, yeah, Canada is the Midwest in its entirety, basically. Right? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, okay, this is a, a huge tangent, but sometimes I'll meet people and they'll be like. Are you a Jew from Toronto living in New York? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, so can we go back? So Union Pacific is 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 booming, and then you uh, you're, you're star you're of the scene, star of the scene, working on a, another restaurant. Well, the star of the scene, mm-hmm. but um, Union Pacific got a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you were the subject of a reality show called The Restaurant. The Restaurant. Yep. What do you? I mean, I've heard you talk a lot about it, mm-hmm. but thinking about it now, you have I have? Yeah, I'm. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I, yeah. You had to spend a lot of time at a computer. Mm-hmm. I am on the interviews. elliptical a lot, going very slowly. Peloton, Rocco restaurant playlist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but when when you think back to that show, like, what do you think it meant for the food scene? And like, what do you feel like? Uh, what is your opinion now of how the media reacted to it? Well, um, I think it meant a lot of things for for a lot of people and different things. It was a very broad spectrum of reactions. I know that there was a lot of competition to get on that show. Uh, Mary Batali, Drew Nieporn. They all wanted to be the subject. Yeah, I think they were talking to Brian McNally. Yeah, they were talking to all of us. And I didn't know that. Uh, When they got to me, they were sort of at the end of their decision-making process. Sound like a great idea at the time, you know. <laughs> hey, we'll do a TV show about you opening a restaurant. Oh, NBC primetime. Yeah. Like well, and this idea. was what year like was idea. this? This yeah. was before reality TV is 2001. Two. Yeah. 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 And it was the guy who did The Apprentice and Survivor. And Survivor. Yeah, yeah. Right. It was Mark Burnett who basically mm-hmm. invented the genre, right? Yeah. yeah. The docu, the docu mm-hmm. drama mm-hmm. or docu soap. <laughs> I think he did a great job of creating an exciting, very watchable show about a world that. At that point, a lot of people hadn't seen the insides of the bowels of, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was dramatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was, I mean, there was, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I have heard you talk about how now when you watch other reality shows, you you know that like, oh, that scene was constructed from this, this, and this, and like that might have been some guy just washing his face in the bathroom, but the way they've built it up in the edit, it seems like, oh my God, is he going to puke? Is he going to throw up? I think we all know now how reality shows are constructed, you know, that they're mostly uh, scripted in the edit, right, and in, in post, right? The word post hadn't been used that much back mm-hmm. then. Now everyone knows what post means, right? Uh, for those of you who don't, it means what you do after you shoot everything. And so we all know that they shoot a lot of film. 
and then in post they create a narrative. Um, I didn't know that back then. I don't think the general public knew that. Um, and I, I don't think I had a sense of how powerful that could be, mm-hmm. right? But um, I think if that show were to air today, it would just be another show. But back then, it was you know the first of its kind, so it, it got a lot of attention. Well, yeah. and back then, I think, I assume you guys didn't know what you were getting yourselves into in the same way that someone now would be very aware mm-hmm. of like what could yeah, happen Yeah, I mean, if you, if you sign up for Housewives on Bravo... Yeah, you know, you know what's going you know to right? happen. Yeah, uh, we did. We definitely did not know what we were getting ourselves into. And in addition to looking at moments that were an interesting take on what I remember, <laughs> I look at moments and don't even understand how they ha- happened. Like I couldn't tell you today what what, what was scripted and post, what what actually <laughs> happened because the situations were so. Um, artificially constructed without my knowledge, you know? One of the things, I mean, I, I'm personally scripting your uh, your trajectory in, in my <laughs> in my own head, but I think, like, uh, it's, it's very easy to see something like that now uh, through the lens that we would currently see it. Like, if we, if, you know, Eater or some mm-hmm. big food institution or, you know, some cable network went to a, a restaurant where, like, we want to follow the opening mm-hmm. of your restaurant, mm-hmm. that would be a very conscious decision by that mm-hmm. restaurant. Like, I am going to trade a little bit of this restaurant's integrity mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. for this exposure. But I think looking at it back then and, and hearing how you've spoken about it, it's like that wasn't obvious back then, right? Like it, there, this idea of giving a little piece of yourself to the media and to the media wasn't as clear. Uh, is, is yeah, for me, for me back then, it was the same in the same category as what I was doing on Food Network, you know, which was dump and stir or right. appearing on, you know, uh, another chef's cooking show and being in their sort of quote audience or at their counter. Uh, I didn't understand how it would be so. How there be you know, drama? Yeah. I thought it was just. More food TV. They'll focus on my mom cooking all the meatballs. Yeah, and your mom cooked at the putting restaurant. Together, what it takes to put a restaurant together. We had a time lapse camera, which was really cool. And um, yeah, I had no sense of what it took to get to build a show that would rate in prime time in that mm-hmm. genre. It was definitely not part of right. what I understood at the time. Mm-hmm. Your partner in the restaurant, Jeffrey Chatero, like mm-hmm. a lot of the show was about the drama between you two. Do you think? Yeah. You so they had, had set a, up an antagonist and protagonist. Yeah. Obviously, would you we have needed had a those different... characters, or they needed right. those characters, as they explained it to me. Would you have had a different relationship had the show not been there at all? Hard to say, but probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everything affects everything, right? So mm-hmm. there's a good chance uh, it definitely would have been different. Whether it would have been more positive or more negative, you know, I, I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, but there were artificial pressures created from the show that affected our relationship. So, as I think any show would do, even today. Mm-hmm. You know, do you ever see him or go to his restaurants? Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. seen each other several times. He's come to places where I've cooked. I've co- I've seen him at events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're simpatico. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I think uh, the perception is that like once that show ended was the time when you stopped cooking in professional in like visible professional kitchens. Yeah. Um, well, it's sort of true. Yeah, yeah. is that true yeah, yeah. or not so much? Yeah. Is, I mean, well, I mean, the the facts are there, right? I I didn't I I sold Union Pacific and uh, parted ways with Jeffrey, and then I thought, you know, we'd have I'd open another restaurant in a year or two, and uh, and then a couple things happened. My health got uh, became a big issue for me, and uh, my mom li- decided she was going to stay and live in New York, and 
she was in her mid seventies. Someone had to take care of her, and so mm. I, I took care of her until she died. Um, and those two things became very important in my life uh, at the time. And I started to aggressively um, undo the the damage I did mm-hmm. to my health by getting into triathlons. And what what was the problem with your? Oh, health? I had you know heart disease and had cholesterol and all the stuff you'd expect from mm. a guy mercury poisoning oh at, at such a high level that I got a letter from the New York State Department of Health warning me that it may be fatal if I don't, you know. Uh, so, you know, it was a bunch of things. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, why don't I just take some time to fix this, you know, and, and focus on this. And you haven't, I hadn't really done that ever in my life. And I was uh, late 30s at that point. And uh, it started to balloon into... Ironman triathlons and cycling and exercising for six to eight hours a day. And uh, I did my first triathlon by accident. Uh, One of my doctors who was helping me go down this healthy path, um, Scott Duke, who's a chiropractor, said, you know, can you help me with this this event in Greenwich, Connecticut? It's a charity I'm part of. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. And a few months later, he said, so are you ready for the triathlon? I was like, I don't even know what that is. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's no big deal. You just swim, bike, run no 15 miles, three miles, you know, get a wetsuit. And so I had to do a crash course in triathlons. And um, I finished that triathlon second to last. <laughs> second to last. And uh, <laughs> it, was one of the be- it. it was one of the best days of my life. Yeah, it was, it was a great, great uh, illuminating moment. Uh, and then I got hooked. A lot of you might, if you talk to triathletes, there's like an addiction. It sounds like yeah. yeah. You get hooked. <laughs> you get hooked to the feeling of crossing the finish line. The camaraderie is amazing, and then the gear. Mm-hmm. The gear uh, is outrageous. There's so I've much stuff. It. My you my brother-in-law's a triathlete, the, and now yeah. he owns a bike shop. That <laughs> yeah, there you spells. go. That's yeah, it's thing. like yeah. I see. I see it how casts this all... a spell on you, man. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to reduce your bike by ten grams. The weight of your bike by ten yeah. grams becomes like this odyssey. You know, that you you take on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to uh, my interest in advocating for healthy food options and uh, opening, a, starting a food truck that, you know, brought healthy food to kids every Friday. And certain, then that led to an online food delivery business, which I still run. Uh, and so I've been doing that this whole time. And then and, and, and writing books, books right? you know, yeah. yeah, I wrote thirteen books and. Uh, Eight of them are focused on health and wellness. They're healthy cookbooks, I guess you would call mm-hmm. them. Some with diet plans, some without. Um, I have two more in the works right now. And so I guess I became a full-time author, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, entrepreneur of uh, an e- e-commerce business. And during yeah. that decade, decade and a half, were people coming to you trying to get you to open restaurants? Um, yeah. I mean, I think any chef will tell you that there's always people, right. you know, pitching you ideas or asking you for ideas. And I did lots of consulting and... Uh, entertained lots of uh, opportunities, but I, I really felt like I was doing myself a disservice in all the work I'd done if I didn't have an opportunity or, or couldn't create an opportunity that I could introduce some sort of healthy program. Mm-hmm. And for ten years, no one was interested. And you know, I think healthy has hit uh, you know an all-time high in terms of demand. So whether it's organic, gluten-free, dairy-free vegan, vegetarian, all, you know, they've all reached a point where the demand can no longer be ignored. Mm-hmm. When I was running Union Pacific, if someone said they had gluten allergies, we'd all laugh and just 
keep going. Right, right, right. right. No one's now paying attention. It's it's a very serious matter. Um, so when this standard grill opportunity came along, first thing I said was, "Can can it be plant for? Can I be gluten free? Can I be dairy free?" And they were like, "Not a hundred percent, but most of it. You could do most of it." And then I was, my hair is standing up because that's when I was like, "This might be the uh, this right. might be the thing, the opportunity." Um, and it turned turned out turned out to be. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, if the goal is to to make things that you're you're proud of and that go along your ideology of health. Why not open like a salad chain or mm-hmm. or something that's might be 100%? On that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because there are some compromises here. Like we we ate it, you know, the standard grill and there's a lot of there's you have the risotto and you have these sure. like yeah, ice yeah. cream and Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of indulgent food. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm glad you noticed that because uh, when I talk to everyone involved there, they often feel like there's too much healthy food. Mm. <laughs> right. And I'm like I think it's a pretty good balance, you know, if there's a the most indulgent risotto on right. the planet on the menu. I think you're covered. Plus, you know, a short rib of beef. And, right. But other than the risotto and one pasta, no, no, 47 dishes don't contain dairy or gluten. You know, wow. They're all made from uh, almost entirely organic ingredients that I've sourced from local or non-local if you're in the middle of winter in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very earnest people who care a lot about, you know, the transparency and the... And the provenance of their of their products and that was all very important and of course it adds a layer of expense and Mm -hmm. um you know uh supervision that is much much more difficult than if it were just all conventional ingredients yeah i was telling but there's a lot going on i have to so i have to balance what's required from a hotel restaurant Mm -hmm. what's required from a grill right like the grill means meat right right um and then what's on my agenda and and then embrace and, and honor some of the stuff that I'd done in the past that people really liked, like the Baconic Bay Scallops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? So um, as we work to try to find the through lines of, of all those um, elements, you know, we're trying out lots of different things. And I, right. I think there always has to be indulgent choices, but there are plenty of... Uh, Is it frustrating that people are labeling this as like a comeback? Uh, it's Okay. I don't mind. You don't care. Yeah, yeah. It's. I I understand how they'd see it that way. Um, it doesn't frustrate me as long as they think it's a good comeback. I, I'm pretty <laughs> happy with you know the fact that people care about what I'm doing at all. You know. Yeah. And you're actually on the line at the restaurant. Yeah. It's not like you're just standing night. there directing no, people. No, no, no. Online how, every night. How I pick long up the risotto and the salmon and two other things. And the risotto is a dish that uh, I only cook. No one else in the kitchen cooks. Uh, I feel that passionate about that risotto. It's this like very delicate emulsion of you know fat and starch, and the flavors are very complicated to 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 balance and find the nuance in there. So I like making I like picking up that dish. Is this for the launch? Like for six months, got to make sure that everything's running fine. So I'm going to make sure my hands are in everything, or is it like this is your plan for the long haul? Uh, it's my plan for now. I imagine if we are lucky enough to be very busy it'll it'll probably change but mm-hmm. um because it's not really the best use of my time right. to, to be on the line um but i really love it right now and it feels great right. to stir that pot all night long uh but it did you have to like physically train to get back into the shape I think of I standing have. all day I have, yeah i should have physically trained um <laughs> i needed to be doing a lot more squats um <laughs> 
but the cooking, the uh, the muscle memory of cooking is, is there. It's always it never leaves you. Mm-hmm. When, when you started, if you're a person who started cooking professionally at 14 and did it for your entire life until f- your 50s, it's all there. You'll never lose it. Right. Um, and to, to the contrary of what a lot of people believe, I actually have been cooking, even though you haven't seen me cook mm-hmm. on TV or in in a public restaurant. So it's not it's not a skill I had to you know, recapture. And have you been dining around New York a lot throughout this time, uh, mm. or did you need to do like a refresher? Course no, I had to do a refresher kind of... because I only eat my food right, right. that comes from my kitchen. I have a, a whole other kitchen that produces food that I send to people who subscribe to my healthy food plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I did go around and check out a bunch of places. What were your Frenchette was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Missy, um, the Grill. Uh, Torishin, mm. very good. Torishin, very good. Yeah, because uh, the Binchotan and the skewers were were my idea of how to add some excitement and a way for people to taste lots of small mm-hmm. you know, bites of things. Yeah, those skewer guys, Torishin are just they're masters. wild, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they really are. Yeah, and I don't pretend to be anything like them. We're grilling stuff, and it's it's mostly delicious. But those guys are truly like. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. It's like they train for decades yeah. to do that. Uh, any trends? And building you, the skewers is yeah. also a skill. You know, the building that skewer so it cooks properly and you get the right amount of caramelization on the outside and it's not overdone on the inside. That it's a whole art art form. That's wild. I'm learning. I'm learning that as mm-hmm. I create these skewers for this this restaurant. Any trends you noticed while you were dining around that surprised you or that were just intriguing? Yeah, eggs. Eggs seem to be a trend. Oh. People are putting eggs on eggs their on everything. Menu. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, eggs and scrambled eggs and omelets are on dinner menus now. And uh, eggs with caviar, eggs with snails. Oh yeah, yeah. the French had the eggs with yeah, the snails. Yeah, they, they had that. But I saw, I, you know, those Riyadh and Lee have always had eggs. They mm-hmm. were always prominent on their menus. Um, but I'm seeing it everywhere now. Um, obviously, the burger trend continues to be mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, artisanal bread, uh, no bread, uh, and crazy cocktails and mocktails. That's like, right. I think that just is That was not zenith. happening in the yeah. late 90s, yeah. 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 No, back then it was a champagne cocktail, mm-hmm. if you wanted a cocktail. Or you just get your favorite spirit you know on the rocks right. or up or um so going back to when yeah, you have a long list of questions don't i've deleted <laughs> most of them yeah. i'm not I, I don't even i'm gonna go no notes from now on but no, no, now i need to prove, I need to prove myself you did too, some great research yeah. thank you yeah. <laughs> okay uh going back to when you know you were the hot shot or whatever we're just going to call it that for, okay. for a sec uh, union pacific hot shot and then the f- the first diet book came out Mm-hmm. Um, what did you feel like from the New York like cool kids chef club that you were maybe a part of or like would have been wanted to be a part of? Not they would have wanted you. I don't know if you were in it. Um, did you feel like looked down by them when that first I didn't came feel out? It, but I heard about it, okay. so I didn't feel it because I still I remain friends with most of them and right. and still still am friends with a lot of great mm-hmm. chefs that I, that I cook who were my contemporaries at the time. But I would see I would see remarks in the press, and uh, I, it always confused me. I, I I was like, oh, that's so odd. I'm I just wrote a book on health. It was a number one New York Times bestseller, but no one seems to care. <laughs> yeah. 
except yeah. for the 500,000 people who bought the book, you know, and yeah, why, <laughs> why, why is that such a big deal? I, I don't, you know, I, I've always been sort of on this self-guided, you know, right. tour and, uh, whatever interests me at the time I pursue. And that, that was important to me. And I thought it was a very important additional voice to add to mm-hmm. the world of cuisine and health because there hadn't been a chef who took health very seriously. Right. Um, most chefs thought that was not a prestigious pursuit. You know, health right, was, it's all just about health was for the trainers mm-hmm. and you know the doctors and nurses and and uh, those funny kind of doctors, the, chi- the osteopaths and chiropractors, and and now of course you know uh, true food kitchen sold for half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Doctor Andrew Weil, who's one of those weird doctors, literally banked a hundred and something million dollars right. for that healthy restaurant concept. So to answer your question, is I heard I heard things. Um, I still felt the warmth from all my friends, and do to this day. Yeah, uh, but it's it was, probably it was, different now, it right? It's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing. And and like when the last I was so one proud came of that out. book. It was now eat this. It was called, and I took yeah. I took essentially junk food and comfort foods and made them healthier. And uh, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time, like years. And it came from my uh, triathlon training because in triathlons. Most people eat shakes and bars and bananas, and mm-hmm. I, of course, wasn't going to be happy with that for years and years of training. Mm-hmm. So, with uh, TV appearances, how do you decide what to do and what not to do? Like, I know you did Dancing with the Stars. You've done a lot of Food Network stuff. So, it's Dancing with the Stars. Like, as... I, I, uh, here's how I decided that. My mother told me I had to do it. it was my favorite <laughs> show. That was that. Uh, that was a pretty simple one. Uh, 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 the Bravo Dinner Party Show I thought was a great concept. Uh, very rooted in culinary. Um, great budget working with Andy Cohen, the Bravo team that did Top Chef and mm-hmm. that does Chop now uh, seemed like a great idea. I thought that was a, a great show. So it only got one season, unfortunately. Um, and some of the other stuff, what like guys' grocery games and yeah, whatever. So guy, cameos one guy calls you, pretty much have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no no. In, in whatever world. you want. And he, it turns out he's the loveliest person on the planet. So. Um, and it's really fun. Actually, they surprised me because the first time I did grocery games, I didn't know I was going to be competing in a massive tournament with 15 celebrity chefs, mm-hmm. uh, including Alex Cornicelli, who's like the queen of competition and is <laughs> one of the best cooks I've ever met and know. Uh, yeah. So I didn't, they threw me in the mix there. And uh, it was, I think, five, five weeks of challenges. Uh, that, was, that was fun. It turned out well. Um, so to answer your question on how I decide, I guess I just like, do you want to do more of that kind of thing? Well, like, would you want to have your own show again? I, I kind of like being home, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm sort of, uh, one of the reasons I, I think this standard grill, um, opportunity makes sense is cause it's, it's close to home, keeps me grounded. Um, and I want to spend more time at home, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, have a great personal life and I'm completely devoted to and um, includes two cats, two dogs. So that's how that's how crazy I am. Uh, no Rocco pet food. No, not, no Rocco pet food. I think Rachel Ray has that covered. She's doing a good All job. Right. Uh, and back to the the salad chain question. What do you think would be your ideal next business in chain, that realm? There's uh, a called Just Salad mm-hmm. that has a very responsible and transparent program and they're very focused on uh, sustainability they have reusable containers uh that 
they really motivate you to use because they give you huge discounts and the quality of their product is amazing. Uh, something like that would be cool. would be great, I think. But I, I, I'm also dying to do a what's the the number one chain? I guess uh, like a McDonald's or a, mm. if I could mm-hmm. do that, but healthy, that would mm-hmm. be my just to reach the most reach the most people. Uh, no, because it's the food that everyone loves. Right? Yeah, it's the it, you know the bur- if you could do a burger, fries, and shake healthy, mm-hmm. I think you'd probably. Well, you'd make a lot of people happy, and I guess the reach could be potentially huge, right? Yeah. So I feel like the restaurant has uh, an ama- like will probably be extremely successful. Like I think that's the food. You do? I think so. I mean, wow, I just thank well, you. The, that's. I, I don't know that, that for that's sure right food. now. So <laughs> thank you. Well, for I mean, saying. you look at comparable like restaurants like Atla, you know, in NoHo with also. Wow! Again, stunning comparison because that's pro- one of my favorite restaurants, and I think. Is a very high standard. I go there all the time because it's like it's the it's best, amazing. closest, it's healthiest, yeah. and that's a calculus that I yeah. am interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, um, but it's it's hugely packed, right? And they get good reviews. But I think even if they weren't critically acclaimed, like people would go there because the they, merits, the merits, right? Right. The merits of the situation. Mm-hmm. It's it's good, and mm-hmm. you want to go back. But are you worried, or or do you do you care what the media says about this place? Like, do you think that the I media? Care. But do you yeah. think that the media is is as is willing to accept a place that is that is maybe trading out like the canola oil for a you know like trading away the deep fried things or like organic grapeseed oil yeah i mean yeah. sure but yeah. you know making which we've done which mm-hmm. is a big topic by the way because it's so much more expensive but yeah i just like Do i, I mean, think the media will be okay with generous to your uh to your principles well i'd like them to be i don't know if they will mm-hmm. be um some have been some haven't been and uh, I think that's the chance you take when you put yourself out there in the public eye like this, right? Uh, and I knew that coming into this, and you mm-hmm. know, I got my armor, I put my <laughs> armor suit back on. And, you know, uh, obviously, it won't be all great and it won't be all bad. Uh, what I'm really hoping for is the restaurant to be successful and it having a halo effect on the hotel, because that's uh, what my partners and I. <laughs> signed up for you know um if people come back and we we already have uh we went up three percent in regular customers return customers in the last month which is a huge good sign uh if that keeps happening i'll be thrilled you know um i'd love to be a teflon don you know and not have to worry about the media but it's it's a huge reality that they're going to have an impact on how successful we are and how much of a say does the standard have in what you're doing uh, they've been incredibly supportive. They, Amar uh, Lavani, the CEO, is uh, visionary. He he really understands and appreciates talent. He also owns Empeon with Alex. Oh, okay. Yeah, with Alex, and uh, one of the great restaurants of our, of our time, uh, Alex Stupak, to be clear. And mm-hmm. uh, he's been incredibly supportive, and the. The new owners of the hotel have been also incredibly supportive. So um, they have a huge say in in everything that goes Mm -hmm. on under their roof. But um, they give me a lot of freedom. Yeah, they seem to have completely different identities for their different restaurants across the brand. They do like to have this sort of beehive of activity uh, under one roof uh, thing going on. um, And they they like for the outlets to have different identities. Mm -hmm. Um, And this outlet... 
not only is it a different identity than the other outlets, but it's very different than the traditional standard brand identity. Mm -hmm. And for that, I really have to thank them very much for allowing me to take some chances and risks and uh, and doing things a little more uh, seriously in some cases, less seriously in other cases. Uh, but it was a big, big experiment for them. Yeah, it's a 10-year-old restaurant mm -hmm. that does double-digit millions every year. Uh, that, that, that Amar specifically felt needed a modern, you know, re retake because uh, mm -hmm. 10 years old and you know after 10 years everything needs to be sort right. of dusted off and <laughs> polished right um so they've been they've been great i really have to be mm -hmm. really have to express my gratitude it's so easy them, for them know. to keep it totally safe too you're right it, you're right that would that would be the very easy choice exactly uh and they chose to, to take a more challenging approach mm -hmm. yeah and hopefully it'll pay off i mean so far we're you know, busier and busier every week. Um, but I think uh, the next few months will tell. Yeah. Before we wrap up, do you want to geek out on health stuff? <laughs> do you have any sure. health health yeah. questions well, for Rocco? I do. I have a, I have a question about um, about your perception of like the way that healthy products are are now popularized, right? So, mm -hmm. I you know I've on podcasts or whatever like the first. I, I think I was going to use like charcoal as an example. So I first heard about charcoal, like using charcoal as a supplement probably six years ago for a very specific thing, mm -hmm. right? For, for detox. For detox. Yeah. And, you know, this idea with charcoal is you're not supposed to take it with other pills because mm -hmm. it's it acts as a giant sponge in your stomach. It is so crazy to me that like somebody somewhere took charcoal and was like, okay, these smart-ish, weird-ish, healthy people are using it. I think, you know, it looks great in ice cream. Let's, uh, I'm going to put it in my ice cream. Right, and like In everything, on in everything. everything. And then every it, balm. Every, right. Yeah, yeah. Is, did, did you notice I used charcoal to filter the water at the restaurant? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Benjotan yeah, charcoal. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Obviously, that's yeah. hot. Uh, w like, is it is it wild for you, the things that the media adopts and like the way, or not the media, but mass market adopts and the way they've kind of been like warped and, like, yeah, I think you know, in general, manufacturers take a trend and beat it to death. Uh, the charcoal one is not one that particularly upsets me because I think mm -hmm. charcoal is therapeutic in many, many forms. And even though we're making fun of the ice cream and the the balms, it, it's actually additive. Yeah. Um, I, what I get really upset about are the the mislabeling of things. So that can of soda might have ginger flavor, and it'll say you, made with real ginger. And then you'll read the ingredients, and it'll, and it'll be made from natural ginger flavors, which could be anything from arsenic to actual ginger juice, mm -hmm. you know, because the FDA has so little control on what ingredients go into food. Um, so those are the things that upset me much more. I think the the charcoal craze is actually fairly earnest. And what about keto? Uh, keto works one hundred percent. I've proven it thousands of times. Absolutely, but with do clients, you, yeah. But it's become... I work one on one with all my clients, and I've had. Over a thousand now that I've worked with in eight years, and uh, it works every time for almost every person. Is it frustrating that low carb ish things are now just being slapped with keto? Uh, like yeah, that some, you can just throw keto. Keto, keto yeah, yeah. The you keto, can call anyone who's doing low carb now. They're like, "Oh, I'm doing keto." Yeah. And it, so a keto diet is a diet where you consume less than thirty. Some people say twenty grams of starchy carbs a day. Yeah. And. Uh, and you're cons and where you're consuming around 1,200 calories at minimum. Mm -hmm. um, so and a lot of fat, a lot of fat, a lot of protein. Yeah, and, and fiber. Fiber is very important in a keto diet. You want to 
eat, consume, you know, 40 <laughs> to 60 grams of fiber a day. Yeah. Um, so to say something is low carb and can be part of a keto diet makes sense, but to call something keto <laughs> necessarily <laughs> when you don't know what else the person's eating um, could be misleading. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy, silly stuff that happens. Um, the gluten-free stuff, that really is... is uh, terrifying to look at a lot of gluten-free food is really really bad for you mm -hmm. so i in my books i i guide people towards naturally gluten-free foods like broccoli right you know? <laughs> yeah. like vegetables yeah being uh you know friends with you're them. not gonna ask me about soda <laughs> oh sure soda. what do you want to talk so about soda you were talking this about is, soda this, okay go on so so carbonated beverages contain carbonic acid and it's what makes that drink uh, able to live in that can for a hundred years and not go bad. Shit. And when you, if you're, you're interested in being right healthy, <laughs> if you're interested in being healthy, you want to eat a high pH diet. You want to eat foods that are seven pH or above. Great. Which yeah. is why I use Benchertan in the water because it, it elevates the pH to almost nine. Uh, and soda will never be healthy. Soda is my the one it's thing. I acid won't. by definition. Carbonated water. Carbonic acid. Carbonated water. Yeah. Damn it! I knew yeah. this was gonna happen. Some of the natural, <laughs> naturally, I drink naturally sparkling waters that come out of the ground. Is okay. Carbonated are better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually have pH strips because pH in your diet is so important. Mm -hmm. And if you just ate a, a healthy, balanced diet with lots of green vegetables, you'd have a very high pH diet. But so if you go to a restaurant yeah. and the restaurant is carbonating the water there. The, they're taking a water that's five six pH and making it a four pH basically. Yeah. yeah, New York City tap water is five to seven. I've tested it many times. It's it's very different depending on you know what your filtration system mm -hmm. is or, or isn't. Uh, but yeah. So what's your bottled water of choice if you have to buy bottled water? Uh, I like Fiji. I like Fiji a lot because yeah. of the taste and the high pH. I I'm, I don't love the plastic bottles, but there is some there is a theory out there that the plastic bottles are endlessly recyclable. And that a lot of glass bottles don't end up getting recycled because mm. they're weight and shipping. So mm -hmm. I don't know what the truth is, but yeah, I've heard that yeah. a lot about wine wine bottles when people are promoting the boxed wine idea. The pushback to the pushback. Yeah. yeah, but the problem is a lot of the, the cheaper boxed wines all have the plastic uh, udder in there. Lining. So, that, so once so you, what's the point? Once yeah. there's two layers, you can't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hmm. Okay. We'll have to solve this plastic problem though soon. Yeah, it's an issue. It's a big issue. We've got a lot of problems to solve. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so I imagine you're, you know, if you're friends with chefs and stuff, you probably come across people who have built brands on, on sweets and like the nostalgia of like yeah. 1960s. Yeah. Duff Goldman, good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. So how, how do you guys, how do you and Duff sit around, have a glass of scotch? Like, how do you not be like, what are well, you doing to the world, scotch, Duff? So that's pretty mm -hmm. easy. Uh, right. no, it's not like that. Everyone's got their own path and mission and you gotta be you know, generous about people's choices, right? So right. I'd like them to be generous about mine. You have to But one is good for the planet and one's bad. I don't know that Duff Goldman as a, <laughs> as a human being is bad for the planet. I think he's probably think net very good for the planet. doing their own things for their own bodies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah but... <laughs> Okay, and finally. I'd say Twinkies are probably the first thing I'd go after if I had to go after a baked good. Yeah, Duff not Goldman's straight for Duff Goldman. For have you ever met him? Uh, no, I'm sure he's, he's wonderful. I don't mean he's beings, a bad person. <laughs> finest human beings on the planet, and he actually uses like you know real sugar and real flour and not yeah, yeah, a yeah, bunch yeah. of overly processed chemicals. I just worry about uh, artistic integrity trojan trojan horsing things like yeah. sugar back into people's diets when uh, people like you are trying to get it out. 
I listen to Zoom I for all of us. I think to his you know, point, the, though, yeah. the Twinkie is the bigger problem, yeah. not the high-end chef. Right, but he's not, he's not sitting having a glass of whiskey with He might with know the CMO of Hostess or something. I've spoken you know. to some people who work in the <laughs> big baking industry. Um, I've worked on uh, healthy donuts for Target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, so the, the, that change is happening. I mean, it, it's only a matter of time before... It's everywhere, and it's really inexpensive. Think about how much organic foods cost now compared to 10 years ago mm-hmm. when you were in high school. I don't know if you were living in New York yet. <laughs> 29 years old. Okay. Yeah, so you were in high school. <laughs> I was in high school. Uh, yeah. But the prices have come down a lot, and mm-hmm. the availability is Now, I wasn't high. in New York yeah. yet. The veneer of New York had not started to form mm-hmm. on Hasn't my exterior. Really? Yeah. Soaking, yeah. Yeah, no, but you see that you even with, like... You like a fully formed New Yorker now. <laughs> I, th- yeah, yeah. I seem like... Or yeah. I feel, oh, okay. You seem like one. Like, you see Pepsi when they... You know, over the last ten years, they've been expanding into mm-hmm. new markets because they see that, they see like, the future. Oh yeah. crap! People don't want this food anymore. We need to buy up water brands and mm-hmm. health food brands and whatever. Yeah, the demand for sugar drinks has declined mm-hmm. precipitously. Yeah, it's, I mean, people people know what's up now. Uh, you've got don't judge. Our you don't have a beverages. single. You don't have a single sugary drink here. No, right? but that's no, all no, the no, you chose. But they are... And that wasn't for me specifically, right? That no, was just, no, we don't. Yeah. That's also me. I, that, that's I mean, unusual. Yeah. Three three years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Right, right. Yeah, yeah the most popular drinks in our office are going to be the sparkling waters. I was upstairs being like, because I like to bring something for when people come in, and I was like, usually I would just get cookies, and I was just like, what do I what do? I, do? <laughs> I wanted to tell you a quick story, and then yeah, I swear please, I'm please, done please. about my... Uh, no, I it's went, okay. I love this. I, I geek out on this stuff all so the time. So I went to... Um, the fact that you even care about anything. I this care so awesome. much. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I've told Amanda this before and to, to varying degrees of eye rolling, but uh, when I was 20, 25, 26, I had zero energy. And then actually it was bulletproof that I started. And then like, I think that stuff's a little insane now, but that got... That no, but that's... Totally got me into the world. Super keto, very legit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just It's just the idea of like, of questioning the mass marketing that you see. And then, you know, you... You start to read and make your own decisions. But the first time I ever went to an integrative doctor, an integrative functional medicine You know doctor, about that, huh? Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in on <laughs> the game. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? I don't have one. Oh, Jeffrey Morrison. He's, he's your guy. I'm going Gotta to go. Gotta go see him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 32nd Street. We'll talk. Amazing. All right, 100%. So I've got, you know, I got my, like, uh, my all my panels done, my thyroid panel, right. all that kind of stuff. You got heavy metals tested. You got, of course. So you had your I had my and saliva tested and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they check yeah, everything. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. So I had uh, I had my intolerances all mapped, right? Uh-huh. And just to give you a sense of like, actually, this might be more for you. Like how uh, sometimes you you need to go to the right one because I really believe that this stuff in five ten years will be the mainstream style of medicine, right? But now it is. They're a little bit marginalized. They're a little bit like they're. The offices are all messy. They've got like magazines all over the place, and they're like a little bit mad sciencey. Like, go oh, do this, do this, do this, do this. With the supplements, you mean? Yeah, and the IVs and all that. Which stuff. I'm yeah. also game for. IVs are super yeah. legit, guys. I yeah. I do them a lot. You do good, good, <laughs> yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, uh, mostly for hangovers though. But uh, hey, whatever. Or works. preventing the flu. As long like, as I'm getting yeah. piped up. You know, it's fun. <laughs> um, I love that. That's amazing. So I was going to, I had a, I came over to Amanda this morning with my handful of pills. I probably have 30 pills that I take in the wow. morning. Okay. Yeah. I make my own little uh, weekly so thing and I was like, into it. what if I take them in front of, well, I'm not deep into it. Now I no, do. 30 pills you're, means you're, you're deep you're into very, it. You're, I do yeah. the, you're very deep into it. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like I try to do the 80, 20. I try to do like the 20% that's going to get me. The, mm-hmm. I still drink too much and like, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Would you like me to move on? <laughs> so no, I have go, to finish the story. Go to yeah. the functional medicine guy, yeah. does all the panel and he, he's like, he just looks at me like with these wide eyes looking at this paper of my intolerances and he goes, 
so do you, he's like, do you eat capers? And I was like, yeah, I love capers. And he goes, what the hell are you doing to yourself? <laughs> What's wrong with capers? Supposedly, Apparently you're intolerant. I'm it? very intolerant yeah. to capers. That's so but he odd. made me feel bad about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, usually, usually they're like hippies and they're yeah. really nice and no, soft, no, 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 softly no. spoken. This guy so you need to go to like Rocco's guy. Seven public divorces. I oh, no, my guy's he's Jeffrey Morrison. Yeah, super nice. Single, yeah. One marriage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know. What is marriage? No, if we're talking about the real. Okay. Amanda's <laughs> done with this this is the weirdest I think I think at this point up. you could have taken the supplements in front of Rocco I just didn't want you to open I was like welcome to the it. studio I was half I take was joking my 30 supplements I, in front yeah of you. third is probably 20 but uh, uh, uh probiotics hopefully big part of that I take up one at night just a pill but uh, I haven't I'm not religious about it you should you should upgrade to about 300 billion CFUs a day Done. Your one pill is probably twenty billion. Good thing I don't you have need to make a lot notes more. Yeah, because uh, especially if you drink. Recording. Got all this recorded. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All I, right, man. One hundred percent. We'll do it. Amanda, do you have any uh, any further questions? No. I guess on this vein, what's the one thing someone should do? If drink you, water. Drink water. drink a lot of water. Yeah. You, of it high change, pH. changes your life. But drink not regular out of a LaCroix can. Uh, not carbonated water. Yeah. Just drink plain water. Uh, ideally, high pH. You know, from a good source, but you can you can get a great filter at home and do that yourself, or you can just put a piece of charcoal in a pitcher and call it a day. Yeah, awesome, yeah. cool. Well, wow. Rocco, thank yeah, you so much. Thanks. Welcome back to the New York restaurant. Thank scene. you so much. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.